Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of the modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Facing and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. Uh, first off, uh, welcome to the return of the Tech Dirt Podcast. I know that we've taken a few months uh, hiatus during this pandemic, uh, and that was, uh, well, pretty much entirely pandemic related. Uh, first, uh, I was mostly set up to record these at my office. Uh, though I've since relocated all of the recording equipment to my home. Uh, and second, it was difficult to come up with topics and people who wanted to discuss those topics that made sense for the TechDirt podcast in the midst of a pandemic. Um, I do have a few ideas for potentially pandemic-related podcasts that fit within the TechDirt theme uh, that I hope to have coming up uh, in the next few weeks, but this one is not that. Uh, this is a, a more regular old tech policy related tech dirt podcast. Uh, but uh, I, I figure people will enjoy it. Uh, and I will say we are going to try and get back to a more regular schedule with the podcasts. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we live in very strange times and we are dealing with those strange times uh, as best we all can. And I hope that uh, everyone listening to this is dealing with everything as best they can as well. Now on to the topic for today's podcast. As you hopefully know, there was a big controversy that began last year uh, when the nonprofit uh, Internet Society, which is usually referred to as ISOC, uh, agreed to sell off its nonprofit subsidiary public interest registry or PIR uh, which ran the uh, registry for the .org top-level domain. Uh, the decision to sell it off was to a newly set up private equity firm called Ethos Capital that was created by some former executives with somewhat close ties to the domain name registry world, including a former director of ICANN, um, which is the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers, which is another nonprofit <laughs> that is in charge of coordinating how the core Internet infrastructure around domain names works. Uh, there were a variety of concerns raised by the deal, uh, most of which I would say that I shared uh, from the way in which I can removed earlier limits on price increases for the .org domains to the moving of a nonprofit to a for-profit uh, to the structure of the deal itself and how much debt was involved. Uh, but a big part of the concern was the idea that the .org domain space was something special uh, that should be protected in some form or another. Uh, those who opposed the deal asked ICANN to block it. And while ICANN kept putting off a decision, uh, in April, California's Attorney General Xavier Becerra stepped in and sent, uh, I would say, a fairly threatening letter to ICANN about the deal. And a few weeks after that, ICANN announced that it was going to block the deal. Uh, ISOC has since said that PIR is no longer for sale, and they'll go back to operating it as they did before. However, some, including the EFF, have argued that the entire process means that ISOC is no longer a faithful steward of the .org domain and that it should be given to someone else instead. 
when the deal was first being debated, we had on ISOC board member Mike Godwin, uh, who's also famous for a bunch of other stuff, uh, some of which involving his own name. <laughs> we had him on to debate the rationale for the deal. Uh, and at the time, and still to this day, uh, I felt somewhat uncomfortable with the deal, but felt that uh, Mike Godwin raised a bunch of very good points uh, on the other side about why the deal was perhaps not as bad as I thought. Um, now that the sale has been blocked, I'm having Godwin return to the podcast uh, to discuss something of a postmortem of what happened and what what is going to happen going forward. So, Mike, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, I'm glad to be here, and I'm certainly glad that uh, I don't have to defend a deal that is now no longer going to happen. <laughs> so, well, that makes uh, it easier. <laughs> so I think we can do, you know, we can definitely do, you know, post-game analysis, <laughs> you know, and, and really understand, you know, what, what could have gone better and what didn't go well. I know we covered a lot of this when we last spoke about it, but I'm happy to uh, drill down. And by the way... The 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 deal uh, was terminated. The deal was terminated between Ethos Capital and ISAC was terminated mutually. So we're both both parties are pretty free to talk about it uh, under the terms of the deal. So uh, that's good. I, I feel a little bit yeah. liberated to be able to answer any questions that I actually know the answer to. <laughs> well, that's good, um, frankly, because you know sometimes these things come with sort of gag clauses and things yeah, like that. Yeah, we're not gagged. We're ungagged. Yeah. Well, that's good. So, I mean, can you just describe, at least from your point of view, like what what happened? Um, and, you know, sure. I sort of described the basics and ICANN sort of stepped in and said they would effectively block the deal. Um, but, but from your perspective, what is it that went down? Well, I think really uh, two things happened. Uh, and maybe, first of all, let me lay the background a little bit, which is that when uh, ICANN uh, you know, lifted the price caps for .org and renegotiating its contract uh, for .org, uh, that, really, I, you know, that really poisoned the atmosphere and made a lot of the .org, well, really made, I think, even most of the .org uh, activist community uh, alert you know, that something bad may be happening any minute. Right. And, and so uh, we... You know, we were aware of that, but we also knew that uh, uh, ICANN, at least theoretically, was in a position to correct anything that any future holder of the .org top-level domain did because it's a matter of a contract with ICANN. ICANN can do all sorts of things if it really wants to. Uh, that's uh, And this is a view that I, it turns out EFF shared with me, mm -hmm. um, as it turned out. Uh, but uh, I think that when you and I did our podcast, uh, you know, we did talk about the price increases, but the price in the, 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 the lifting, there was no price increase and PIR committed to stable, predictable, uh, low-level price increases over a 10-year period or mm -hmm. eight years. I forget how many years it was. Um, but I think that uh, a lot of people were concerned about pricing initially, and some people argued that the lifting of price caps is what made this a valuable property uh, for exploitation by private capital. No, in my view, none of that was true. It was always the case 
that the reliable returns associated with running the business pretty much the way it has been run, you know, over the last nearly two decades was, you know, was the was the value proposition for an investor. Well, can, so so can I just push back a little bit sure. on that? And, and that that may be true. But but to some extent, doesn't that contradict with the claims that you were making for one of the reasons for the sale was that you were concerned about the future prospects of the .org domain and that the world was changing and that as it stands right now, PIR is sort of a, a funding source for ISOC and all the good work that ISOC does. And you were concerned that relying on that was was dangerous. And yet here you're kind of saying that that same, you know, sort of, you know, uh, annuity value of it to some extent was what made it valuable to ethos. Well, I... I'm not saying quite the same thing because if okay. that were true, e ethos there would be no point in turning PIR into a, you know, into a, a for-profit entity. I mean, the the, the theory was, uh, uh, and let me just unpack this because I think you've kind of mushed a couple of things together. Okay. Um, we don't know what the top level domain business looks like in 10 years or certainly not in 20 or 50 years. Sure. And uh, there are reasons to think that the TLD marketplace, as we understand it, is on uh, at least right now a slow decline, some of which has to do with certain decisions that ICANN has made that I think weaken some of the value of different TLDs. But that's... You know, that's one factor. And the other thing is that as a nonprofit, uh, nonprofits often have the task, you know, when they are when they have a major single source of revenue to justify to the IRS why, you know, why you're getting everything from one source. Uh, they right. usually require you to have a diversity of funding sources. Uh, and, and we may come back to that in this discussion. So IRS tends to look askance if you're getting, you know, 90 percent of your funding from one revenue stream. So that's another factor. But the third thing is that uh, the value proposition uh, for uh, for ethos or any other buyer had to be, on the one hand, this predictable income. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, maybe the possibility of adapting, you know, a kind of a, a market leader in terms of TLD value uh, and adding adding services to it. Sure. And, and people, you know, I, I got I got pushed back on that. People said, well, what are the services? I said, I don't know. You know, I mean, really, <laughs> right. really if I knew, you know, I would have raised the money and bought it myself, <laughs> you know, you know, but but I think that's right. Uh, so I don't think those are inconsistent. I think we're now in the position as we were before of, you know, we're not certain what the TLD marketplace and TLD revenues are going to look like over time. And I think we have to figure out what our long term strategies are in relation to that. But that's mm -hmm. like a long term problem that in some ways is sort of analytically, I think, distinct from, you know, the particular quarrels about this particular deal. Yeah, and and fair enough. I think that's that's actually a really good point to to consider. And and there is something different between, um, you know, the the revenue that is coming in and how do you adapt and and keep it current. And you know, and as you said, you know, ethos in theory could be in position to create 
um, you know, new services and new revenue streams that that would make sense. And certainly from their standpoint, being in control of one of the, you know, original TLDs is certainly uh, a, a credibility uh, enhancer. Right. Um, sure. And so so I, I, I get that that aspect of it. Um, so, so but, but then I wanted to just sort of unpack it a little bit more and just yeah. say, I think that I forget what stage we were in the process when you and I did the first podcast. What date was that, by the way? I, I honestly don't remember. And I, like, time know, has no meaning. Anymore. I know time has no meaning anymore. We, <laughs> and we don't go outside that much. You know, right. every time we go out, it's like a new season now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's I, I don't I. Sometime earlier this year, I think. Yeah, I know. It, it may have been ten year. years ago. I know. I, I know. A lot of a lot of water under the bridge. So the so the I I think that I can. Uh, I think a lot of the pushback regarding the change of control of org was really kind of delayed reaction from the parties that were unsuccessful at getting ICANN to. Uh, to deal with the price caps issue that predates all of this. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's one piece of it. And I've talked about whether I think there was moral entrepreneurship and a moral panic before. I think there was, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm unashamed to say that. Uh, but uh, having said that, you know, I don't doubt that there are people who had really good faith concerns and objections. And I don't mean to cast I don't mean to say that all the critics were insincere or anything like that. I just think that there was not a lot of what I would call sort of sober assessment of threat models, you know, to inform it. That's just my view. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but, I, I, but mean, I can. I, but yeah. let's, let's ask about what I really want to talk about is I can because I can. I sure. thought was like amazingly spineless throughout this entire <laughs> process. But which and, to be to be fair is is not a new thing for ICANN. No, I know. I mean, it's, they're actually quite good at it. And this is like a, you know, in a sense, it's now become an ICANN tradition. Uh, but, but look, here's what they did. Here's what they could have done. Let's say that ICANN had some feeling at the outset that .org was special and should never be administered by a for-profit entity or should never, you know, or this or that. They could have just said that, mm -hmm. right? They could have said, oh, well, we've had the first round of commentary and we can see from the backlash that, you know, you're doing something that's that that violates the specialness of dot org. So, you know, we're just going to tell you we're not going to approve it. And then we would be done. We would have been done in February or March, you know, mm -hmm. or at the latest. Uh, but they didn't do that. And what they did do was issue questions. And the questions were essentially fishing expeditions. So the idea is they ask you many, many questions and without sort of telling you what they think a right answer that meets some kind of criteria would look like. And, you know, what can we do? We were, you know, we cooperated, PIR cooperated and tried to, and Ethos uh, cooperated. Uh, I have a lot of criticisms about how well Ethos responded mm -hmm. to that. But uh, certainly, you know, every everybody who was involved, I, I, ISOC t theoretically wasn't part of the transaction, but they quizzed us anyway, and we answered anyway, even though mm -hmm. we didn't have to. But the point, the thing that I knew as a lawyer was whenever you have these fishing expedition questions, 
two things are happening. One is they're hoping that you'll say something that trips you up. Mm -hmm. And the other is they're trying to run out the clock. You know, uh, and and that I I can wanted to avoid making a decision so bad because so, they were so, they were afraid they, they they didn't want to make a decision that set a precedent in any direction. So what they did ultimately, I think they it's entirely possible that they would have approved the deal prior to the letter from the attorney general. Right. So so but let me let me unpack that a little bit. So sure. in terms of running out the clock, I mean, I, I want to understand what what that means to you is is the idea that you thought if if or, or you're suggesting that maybe they thought the longer they took to make this decision that the deal might fall apart through other means? Yes, I, I believe I that they I believe that they thought that hmm. I believe that they hoped that, that was true. They knew Anybody who works in this space knows that when you do these kinds of deals, they typically have date terms in them. Sure. Uh, and and they, you know, they thought, I mean, they might have thought maybe ISOC or maybe Ethos would bow out of the deal on their own impulse because the feedback was so negative. Uh, or or maybe right. they thought the opposition would disappear, but they just thought, you know, if we don't have to make a decision, then we're not going to be responsible for the outcome. <laughs> right. Which, again, would be classic ICANN. I know, right? You know, so this was, fun. honestly, if ICANN had just said, we're not ever going to approve this, I would have said, okay. <laughs> Right. Yeah, you know, that, that, but they but what they did do and even in their final decision, uh, they actually, you know, at least formally left the door open that ISOC and Ethos could come back with yet another version of the application right. for change of control. But uh, as as many observers noted uh, privately to me and to others, uh, that was t so that they didn't seem like a regulator. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, that's not that's not like they were really serious that there was poss a possible version of the deal that they would approve. Yeah. So can we can we get a little bit into into the AG letter? So oh sure. Uh, so I, I think here what you saw, what I saw speaking as an American lawyer was that if you look at the AG's letter, the AG's letter is quite fierce in tone. Mm -hmm. But it does not threaten anything. No, but it implies. It, well, this is called jawboning. This is like right. <laughs> when this. This is like when the senators tell Facebook, you know, either you're going to clean up disinformation or we'll do something. And, right. And we don't know what it is right. that we'll do, but it'll be a thing that you won't like. Right. Uh, you know, and and, and uh, that is so. So in the America in American legal culture. This is, you know, you can basically blow that stuff off uh, because if the AG, the AG had to have been worried about whether he had about what kind of authority he had as right. AG to manage, you know, to manage this particular set of decisions that are theoretically invested in ICANN. And I think that that those arguments are quite weak. Uh, yeah. And, and just the, you know, go ahead. Again, like, you know, I was not supportive of the deal, um, but the AG's letter concerned me quite a lot. Um, and it felt like the kind of thing that that 
the California AG's office should not be involved in and that I wasn't clear what their actual authority was. And it concerns me that they would write this letter that is effectively, you know, forcing or at least, it, it, you know, everyone kind of expected it to and it did and then did serve as a forcing function to get ICANN to block the deal. And even if I was supportive of the end result of the deal not happening, I, I feel very uncomfortable about the idea that the California AG's office would get involved in that process. Well, I, I think you should, uh, because, uh, I, first of all, I think your intuition that, that the AG's authority to sort of micromanage particular decisions uh, of a nonprofit in this way is pretty narrow. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, and typically, as as you know, the voice of the regulator of the you know state of the state for the purposes of regulating nonprofits incorporated in the state, they typically you know typically the AG looks like, are you actually doing charitable work or are you corrupt? You know, right, oh, right. Or what you know, big questions, you know, big massive questions about ICANN, but none of you know, but none of those questions would be addressed by ICANN's particular decision to approve, or for that matter, to deny, yeah. you know, a change of control application. So, I mean, and, and ICANN very specifically did mention, uh, you know, the the letter um, and raise the fact that they are a California-based nonprofit. Yeah. And so they were concerned. I don't know if that's just... You know. Well, you know, ICANN is saying, I mean, in this sense, ICANN is, well, the other thing that I, I wanted to get to is that, you know, for American lawyers, and there are some on the ICANN board, you know, that everybody knew that the, um, every American law, lawyer knows that if the AG had a, a tool in his arsenal to invoke, he would have just invoked it. Right. Uh, but he he doesn't. He would have said, you know, as as this statute provides, we are able to, you know, skin you alive if you've done A, B, or C. You know, right. you know but he didn't do that. Uh, and uh, you know, certainly the AG could, you know, grill any nonprofit and try to make it prove, you know, prove you know, make it do a bunch of paperwork and shovel a lot of paper around, uh, mm -hmm. which is irritating, but it's a kind of a cost of doing business if, if an AG is unhappy with your corporation. But, but, but here's the thing. Uh, many of the people, and certainly the leadership of ICANN, not Americans, they don't right. know. You know, in, in Europe, uh, if a regulator tells you, you know, this is really bad and we're going to, you know, figure out something to do, they may actually do something. <laughs> right, right. Uh, uh, for so better it's, or for worse. You know, they're not sort you know, they're not so constrained by, you know, you know, constitutional provisions and separations of powers in the same way that, you know, yeah. American and American federal and state government entities are. So so in some sense I thought, you know, the most the kindest thing I could have said about the uh about the members of the ICANN board from other countries is that they just didn't really know that this wasn't that big a threat. Right. Uh, but I think they also knew that if they had approved it, they couldn't look to their prior history of change of control of, uh, of transactions for precedent mm -hmm. to say that this is why we didn't approve it 
because it's in line with previous practice, because previous practice was the other way, all pointed the other way. Mm -hmm. So so this gives them an excuse to avoid making a decision that would have been much more unpopular than the decision that they uh, ultimately did make. And by the way, I mean, it's interesting. I I think that um, if you are in the top level domain business, one of the things that you would have to notice is you get like no guidance at all from what ICANN wrote about the .org uh, denial of change of control. They don't give you like a set of principles that right. you could learn from, you know, or use to structure your next transaction. They don't, they got nothing. There. So it's a little bit like Bush versus Gore. That's the thing. <laughs> so it's like the it's like the decision, you know, the decision where the Supreme Court says, well, we're going to shut down the recount, but we're going to tell you right now, this decision's a one-off, and it will have no precedential value yeah, yeah. for any future cases. Yeah, and I, yeah, I mean, I I get that, but but also like, how often is this kind of situation actually likely to arise? Well, I don't... you know, it's interesting because right now, you know the 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 dot biz i have you been following the thing with the dot biz TLD? i have not so you know if if dot biz uh you know moves from one you know from newstar to GoDaddy or whatever oh right right right, right, right. i did see that news yeah. yeah so dot biz what was the point of dot biz it was to be a competitor tld to dot com mm-hmm Right, but now what if you have what if the same company owns dot biz or is operating dot biz and dot com? You know, that's there was a public policy decision that supposedly was reflected in the creation of dot biz. Mm-hmm. And so now they've just uh, is there not going to be a public policy inquiry? Was there no public interest involved after all in the creation of dot biz? I mean, you know, it would be nice to have a process right that kind of raise those questions, but 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 what ICANN very carefully did is not say anything that bound them ever to do right <laughs> ever to do anything in the future ever again, you know. So uh, that's uh, a little embarrassing for ICANN. But I don't know; those guys can't be embarrassed. I don't really. Think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I I I guess I I could see that where that's that's potentially an issue. There were also concerns, and certainly, um, you know, like the ISOC letter about this after it was all over sort of um you know raise some concerns about whether or not i can really had the power to do what it did um well i think that's i think it's uh i mean manifestly i can uh, obviously did have the power to do what it did because we are not going to court to challenge it right, and right. no one is uh and so I can, uh, you know, asserted the power to do something. And by the way, this is a little bit like Marbury versus Madison, right? You know, before Marbury versus Madison, the U.S. Supreme Court, nobody knows what the U.S. Supreme Court's power is, but they assume that it isn't much. Mm-hmm. And then and what happens in Marbury versus Madison is the Supreme Court says, we are definitely not going to issue a writ of mandamus to, or, to give this job to an appointee of the previous president. <laughs> Right and, so, right. and so what do you do when the when the court refuses to do something? Well, the, you know, you don't show up with armed forces and try to make the court, you know, it's, it's like by negative by choosing not to assert authority or by choosing not to do something. It actually creates more uh, power than trying sure. to do something. 
Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. And I, I, I so I've, I've now painted I can the most flattering possible, <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. will never do that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but um, but I think I honestly, honestly, I think uh, you know I, I, and I want to stress this. I think we, uh, we certainly at, at, at Internet Society. I think we certainly uh, are looking back and, and and asking ourselves what could we have done differently. And for example, should we have gone with another offer from another bidder? Uh-huh. You know, uh, but at the same time, you know, the we can't we can't roll that back and we don't plan to afflict the dot org, you know, registrant community with, you know, more adjective regarding the, you know, right. change of control of dot org. So 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 what you saw from uh, uh, our our CEO's letter was. You know, we relied on you guys to act consistent with the way you had always acted. And, and you know, the assertion of authority that you have now done is unprecedented, which is certainly true. Uh, and uh, but, you know, we're not going to challenge it. Mm -hmm. um, and then so from your end, what, what is next for, for PIR then? So I think that there are a couple of things that uh, that we have to do, uh, you know, just because. And and I I want to stress this: the people who work at PIR PIR are glad that they're there. They like, you know, working for PIR. And the people at ISOC, you know, I, I think we have a lot of solidarity. That even if we made an unpopular decision, everybody knows why. Mm -hmm. We thought it was in the best interest to do that. And PIR, I think, has a sort of a similar situation. But I think we have to uh, be very proactive in communicating our processes as much as possible to the larger community. And, and up until very recently, my pitch uh, within, the, within ISOC was to say, we need to go to every meeting. We need to go. To, we need to travel a lot, make sure people, you know, get a chance to quiz us face to face. You know, let's travel around the world every chance we can so that they can at least, you know, buttonhole us and ask why we made these stupid decisions. And <laughs> we can. And, and it turns out that none of us is traveling. Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> so that's not happening. There's not going to be any travel. Uh, I think that somewhere uh, after the pandemic, assuming that we get past it, um, after the pandemic, I think we do plan to do a lot of very proactive outreach. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, I had one guy. So one of the one of the one of the backers of the uh, organized opposition was the uh, was Jeff Uboys of the John and uh, Catherine MacArthur Foundation, who basically organ he basically funded mm -hmm. the opposition, uh, which I thought was uh, it's unusual and. He, he, an unusual thing for a, a foundation to do, but he, you know, but he did it. Uh, but I, I wrote him a letter. So I wrote him a letter saying, uh, you know, I'm just letting you know the deal is off. Uh, it's dead, dead, dead by mutual agreement. You know, so now you're updated. And this was in light of whether he wants to, to continue to fund efforts to destroy ISOC and PIR, which I don't know what he, what his current view is. 
But what he wrote back was he said, well, you know, now your job is to go to all the chapters and, you know, and, and rebuild confidence after the bad recent decisions that the Internet Society board has made that has destroyed, you know, your relationship with them. And I and I wrote back, I said, decisions, you know, it's just the one, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, what is the other stuff that we've supposedly done? Um, and then he also said, you know, and he also said, I'm sorry that this got so heated in the exchange, but it really doesn't, it's not much compared to the billions of people whose fates were at risk, you know, from, you know, from the millions of nonprofits that could have been damaged by the sale of .org. And I just thought, you know, I wish I could go home and think I have saved billions of people. <laughs> you know, how, what have I done lately to save billions of people? And I honestly, I think I might have saved a few million from an ill-considered Hitler comparison, but that's about it. Right? <laughs> you know, that's like the only, that's like the broadest claim I could possibly make. You know, billions... <laughs> But he thinks he saved billions, and I, you know, I mean, that's a good story. Sure, sure, and and look, I'll, I'll, you know, there there were like to 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 make the other side of that case, right? I mean, there there were. Yeah, I think that there were legitimate arguments on on both sides, and there were legitimate concerns among the you know, sort of public interest nonprofit world sure. about how this would have played out and what it would have meant. And, and, you know, how, to what degree that would have, you know. Yeah, no, believe me, I, I yeah. would be the first person to say the great majority of opponents were neither grandiose nor insincere nor yeah. opportunistic. But the subset that I'm referring to now was uh, all, all of those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I mean, well, that brings up the the other point, which is, you know, I mentioned in the opening that that EFF has now suggested that, um, you know, based on this, maybe you know, ISOC shouldn't be allowed to continue, uh, you know, running the .org domain through PIR, um, and that this this the decision to try and sell it off was uh uh evidence that you are no longer a faithful steward of of the dot orgs um what's what's your response there well I, and by the way and by the way you sh- you should add the 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 dessert to the to the main course which is that they want ICANN to preemptively remove dot org from PIR and ISOC and give it to someone else, uh, which would defund ISOC and right. and destroy the public interest registry. Well, so uh, I think that it's kind of odd because we had a fiduciary duty. That is to say, we had a duty to consider an offer, uh, you know, uh, of the sort that, of the sorts that we got. We had a duty to consider a range of offers that we had experienced, but we were not proactively seeking offers. Right. You know, so we had not set out to say, oh, now here we are on the board. We have a chance to sell PIR and .org. Let's do it. Uh, my, as I told you in the previous, uh, in our previous podcast together, I my initial reaction was to oppose it. 
Right. And, uh, and, and, and again, like as we discussed in that podcast and as I've discussed elsewhere, like I think that, that you and certainly others made a case that the decision to sell from ISOC standpoint was, was, you know, well reasoned and well justified. Yeah. But even um, with PIR, but I also mm-hmm. said, and I was careful to say this even uh, at your pod- earlier podcast too, which was that I thought that this potentially provided a, a longer and richer future for PIR and for uh-huh. the .org TLD. And I, I don't, you know, I, I urge people to look at that, to go back and, and, and click that older link and hear how we talked about it then, because I, I'm quite sincere about thinking that those were real uh, right. issues. But, uh, but I think that, so there are a couple of ways to think about what EFF is calling for now. And I think... Um, one thing is, the EFF doesn't seem to have looked at the fact that our charitable mission requires us to do certain things, and our, our my position as a board member requires me to consider issues, uh, you know, in 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 the light of what my fiduciary duties as a board member are, and that means, you know, serving the the the. Uh, the Internet Society as a nonprofit and also serving the mission of the Internet Society. Uh, and I think we had a duty to consider the author. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, if you look at the incorporation documents for Internet Society and mm-hmm. look at the incorporation documents for PIR, you discover that the, the purpose, the, the reason for being of the Internet Society is to promote the Internet which is not quite the same thing as promoting, you know, today's top-level domain marketplace. Right. And, and the and the mission, the nonprofit mission of PIR is to fund ISOC. So, so within the, you know, within the incorporation papers of both organizations, it's sort of hard to, uh, it's hard to get to the result that EFF and and many, you know, and many other nonprofits who are not, you know active board members, you know, and other still other nonprofits, it's hard to sort of communicate to them that if you are a lawyer and you study what your duties are, you may have to make decisions that you might not have made when you were outside the organization and working as an advocate. Uh, but, but that's, you know, that may just be, their answer would be, well, this is why we need to remove, we need to have ICANremove.org from you because you know, you're just inherently an untrustworthy steward mm-hmm. and you're going to just, you know, the first t- chance you get to sell it again, you're going to do that. And we've, you know, that's what EFF said, even though we have gone on the record denying that we have any plans to do that. Right. No, I mean, it was made clear that, that you're not intending to to sell it. Well, um, we're not masochists, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, why would we go through this more than once? Uh, right. But well, I think, right. I mean, but in, I think it's retributive. In, I think it's retributive. Yeah. I think what happens is uh, you can't fundraise around a victory. You have to fundraise around an ongoing crusade. And the the idea, I think the real message of this is that EFF wants to punish us for doing what we thought was right. And we may have been mistaken about what was right, to be mm-hmm. really clear about this. Uh, people make mistakes, and maybe we were mistaken in particular decision making. But EFF's idea is that it would like to burn 
ISOC to the ground, you know, and PIR too. Uh, so, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to push back on that because I don't think that's fair either, you know, and I certainly don't know what is going through EFFs. Well, mind. there's no way, look, if you look at their, if you look at the mm -hmm. blog, they say they got to, they're setting out to remove.org, ask ICANN to remove.org uh, from PIR and mm -hmm. ISOC uh, control. There is no way you can do that without destroying PIR completely and without whole, almost entirely defunding the Internet Society. Right. So, but there's, there's two separate issues there, right? I, I, I agree that that might be the result. Um, I don't think that's the reason by which they are doing it. So, so I think, you know, I think that they, uh, uh, you know, I, and I, you know, um, let me say, I don't think it should be removed. I think that, that, um, that I think I am fine with ISOC continuing to, to run PIR and for PIR to continue to be funding ISOC. I don't have an issue with that. Um, and so I don't support like a further attempt to, to remove it. Um, and I think that there's fairly strong evidence that uh, any future moves, if there are any future moves, will be uh, more thoroughly examined. In, oh, for in, sure. For sure. <laughs> for, but, for, 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 but, for all sorts of things. But, but, my, but my it may argument, never come up. It may never come up again in my sure. lifetime. Yes. You know? I, I, and in fact, I, yeah, I find it unlikely that it will. But it, it, it might. It might. But, but. You know, I, I think I do see the argument on, on EFF side, um, and I'd like to present it more charitably. <laughs> well, no, me too, right? I mean, I, I gave nine years of my life to EFF. I, and, I, so, I, I, yeah. and it hurts me to have sort of realized kind of painfully that in this last turnaround, you know, there's no – I'm not sort of seeing the – the come let us reason together approach that EFF was sometimes able to do with, uh, you know, current and former opponents. Sure. And, and that's true. But I mean, also EFF certainly has at times uh, for good reason taking, taking the approach of, you know, let's burn this down because that's the best result, right? Yeah. But how many times have they burnt down you know, a couple of nonprofits. By the way, two at once is a little excessive, right? <laughs> Don't you think you just like do do them one at a time? Yeah, but, yeah, but 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 to take a charitable approach, I mean, like basically, this was a big project for EFF, and and they believe very strongly that that you know uh, the structure that was set up to 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 move PIR to Ethos was very very problematic, and they wanted to protect that. And I think that is completely consistent with with EFF's you know, viewpoints and goals and, and, and tactics. Um, and, you know, and given that I can certainly understand considering that they, you know, were a, a huge part of the, the push to get ICANN to do what it did, um, that I could see them saying like, well, now we go back to th this situation and the status quo is leaving, you know, uh, the party that they felt made a very, very poor decision in place in, you know, uh, and so that's why that's why they have a problem with it. It's not it's not vindictive. It's not to to sort of get back at you. It's it's more that like they're uncomfortable with with the decision making process that led to this in the first place. Well, you know, sure. Um, 
Uh, I understand the impulse to feel that way. And believe me, I have tried to feel that way for as long as I possibly could. <laughs> so it's not a, it's not happy for me. It's not a uh -huh. sort of a happy feeling to think that, uh, you know, they want to punish us. Uh, but I, I, I honestly, uh, it was so incredible for me to go through this process and realize that they had won, which was fine, by the way. I, I generally like it when EFF wins, even if I don't think sure. the particular result is something that I agree with. Because I tried, you know, when I worked for EFF, I tried very hard to build it and, and help it be a strong organization. But I think the culture's changed. And, uh, and uh, if you, for example, if you go uh, to Twitter and just follow the hashtag save.org, the b drums are still beating. And the drums, mm -hmm. you know, are not, you know, let's, uh, you know, let's make sure that ICANN never considers this again. Mm -hmm. it's, let, it's, it's let's do much more than that. Let's... Uh, Let's uh, defund ISAC and destroy the public interest registry. And uh, if there's nothing in the blog posting, and I know you've read it, uh, there's nothing mm -hmm. in the blog posting that says, you know, we, we at least ought to have a process in which uh, ISOC, you know, goes on trial, <laughs> you know, it gets, has, to, has to prove uh -huh. that it's a good steward. You know, uh, this is one thing. This is one thing uh, Mitch Stoltz told me. He said, you know, this is a real opportunity because you'll get a chance to prove. And I said, you know, that's like telling a criminal defendant, really going to trial is going to be great <laughs> for you because, right, you right. know, because you have a chance to be acquitted. You know, I said, <laughs> no, going to trial is not a happy experience, right, right, even right. if you are acquitted. You know, um, so I think there I think that the interesting thing to me is that culturally EFF used to be sort of more on the side of, of the defendant side. But I think they're in like in a in a more prosecutorial mode now. Yeah, I I I, I, I don't. I don't know that that's necessarily true, but, but it's, you know, fair enough. I mean, this is all, well, all... you know, I, I, I mean, I, if I, 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 this has been a, this la the behavior of EFF over the last year has astonished me. Uh, I never thought I would be say, I never thought a year ago I would be describing my experience uh -huh. of EFF in the way that I am. And it's not because I haven't had disagreements with EFF sure. before, uh, but they've all been, you know, collegial and everybody sort of recognizes that at bottom we all believe in the same things. But I don't think I think EFF sees us as the enemy and, and they're going to fundraise around it until either they don't get any more money or until they succeed in, in, in doing something. That uh, really all right. So it. so let, let me uh, I mean, I feel a little unfair having some of this discussion without like an EFF person here too. Um, I'm but... happy to have EFF people come and <laughs> sure. tell me that there's, there's no chance that this is going to happen. You know, sure. Or, sure. Or now, but I, you know, I also, I also, but, but just, just to be clear too. And, and again, sort of in defense of EFF, like I generally, um, I, I, I dislike arguments that are based on that. This is solely because of fundraising. Um, oh, sure. No, look, even apart from fundraising, this is why uh -huh. I stress, I stressed that it was kind of, uh, it felt retributive because I've talked to the people, you know, even after Andrew, uh, 
uh, wrote, you know, published the letter. That's, he that's said, We're ISOC not, CEO, just for right. people who don't know. Even after Andrew Sullivan published it, published this letter saying, you know, we're not going to pursue, you still get these responses from EFF saying, like, we're obviously still going to pursue a deal. And right. what, do you, what do you do with the fact that they're not even acknowledging that you have said that we have gone on the record as saying we're not going to do it? Yeah. And, and again, like, like I understand both sides of this, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to impart motives. Um, well, no, I, no, I had, so, so, you know, I had one lawyer from EFF on the phone and he said, this is nothing personal. And mm -hmm. I said, well, you know, I'm just going to tell you that if I had set set out to destroy EFF or I set out to explore uh, a path of activism that might lead to EFF's destruction, you would probably take it personally. <laughs> yes, fair enough. You know, so allow me to take it personally. I'm astonished uh, at this, and I would be happy to be proved wrong. And I've given them opportunities to tell me that I'm just wrong, but they're not telling me that. All right. <laughs> but, let me, but let me actually raise what I think is a more interesting question. Okay which is this. Um, if their view is that ICANN has the kind of superpowers necessary to take .org away from PIR and from ISOC now, even though we have a contract that is, you know, it goes for another nine years, why couldn't they just, if Ethos had acted badly, let's say Ethos had succeeded in buying PIR and .org, and had done all the things it was going to do, and then started mis, you know, misusing mm -hmm. its it, its ownership rights and dollar. Why couldn't why couldn't uh, anyone have said, okay, I can we now we all agree that you have the power to save org by ripping org away from ethos, right? If that's true, then the threat model that the transfer to ethos somehow makes this, you know, is somehow <laughs> something that can never be recovered from is wrong. It has to be. It, it, you, right. Those are inconsistent theories. Yeah, that's actually, so that's, uh, that's an interesting point, right? Because you're arguing that if ICANN has the ability to pull .org from you, then they should have also had the ability to pull .org from ethos, in which case that would be a method of policing ethos into being a good steward. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, what, what is there? Is there is there any other way to understand it? Oh gosh, yeah. Um, that's right. So that, I mean, that gets back to like my general concern is always with with ICANN and being terrible. But but yes, that is a that is a valid question as to why then there would be support for ICANN stepping in and doing something. I mean, I guess to, EFF could say, well, you know. We didn't really think about this until late. <laughs> you know, you know, we didn't really think about it until late in the game, you know, and we then now we know that now we want I can't. Well, OK, so so again, but I, me, honestly, but honestly, yeah, I don't yeah. believe that's true. Yeah. Right? Let, let me let me let me be more charitable again and 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 present the argument that that if I were EFF and I were making this argument, I think I'd be making, which is basically like we just went through this huge fight. 
and to them it was a big and important fight to protect or save.org as, as, as was the, the theme of the campaign. They don't want to do that again. No one wants to do that again. And you guys can say as much as you want that that's not going to happen again, but they want some sort of, you know, like if we can lock this down so that we won't have to do it again, that's an opportunity worth taking. But that's not what they're seeking. What they're seeking is not new uh, uh, new procedures or rules or criteria for ICANN to to use in the in in its role uh, as the giver of rights to the .org TLD. Uh, that would be the obvious locus if you wanted to lock down. I mean, certainly ICANN could say. Uh, any st- any anyone who has uh, control of the .org TLD must never sell it. I mean, that's a real simple mm-hmm. thing, right? You you it's a condition of our contract that you can never sell. It. And but that's not what they're seeking. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, the fine, you know, they don't say, let's go now. The next we- the next stage of our crusade to permanently save .org is to seek ICANN reform. Mm-hmm. Their next stage is let's take it away from ISOC. Yeah. And, and they're and on I, the record. And they're on the record saying that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would certainly be more comfortable if they were if if they were looking at more structural rather than um, you know, if the focus is on on protecting the dot org space, then it feels like there could be a more structural approach. You know, um, if their view is that if their view is that we are untrustworthy because we made this what should be understood as one by their lights bad decision, mm-hmm. then you know, I mean, who, which org, which charity has avoided ever making a bad decision? Sure. All right. But, but let me ask. Let me let me actually steer this in a different direction. Okay. I know. And 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 I will say you can and, do that with the notification that we have gone on for a while, and we should probably try yeah, and close and this just, up. And, and it's just basically this. And I know that you'll share my feeling about this, which is that the ICANN was structured the way it was to make it immune to government interventions. Right. And so the idea that you could somehow use ICANN's status as a California corporation to do an, to, you know, to to trigger a government intervention seems uh, inconsistent with the reason that ICANN was created the way it was, and I sort of leave that yeah. issue out there. Uh, and and right, and I go back to the, you know, uh, as I said throughout this this conversation, like I am uncomfortable with the the use of, of, of California government getting involved in this and, and putting pressure on ICANN. And I am, I have lots of problems with ICANN. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, me too. Um, and, you know, that said, like, you know, and I certainly understand your side of it and I understand ISOC's position and, and that's why I'm having this, this phone call. I still think that, that it was a bad decision to, to try and sell it off. Sure. Uh, and, um, but and I, I respect your difference of opinion. Yeah. I mean, uh, you yeah. know, plenty of people, plenty of people uh, thought, you know, and I tried to talk to as many people as who has ever wanted to talk to me about it. <laughs> uh, and there were plenty, by the way. But my, my feeling was that hard, most of the people I talked to, even if they didn't agree with me, had this idea that, you know, maybe – I was not like I was not like planning to 
stuff my pockets, you know, with some ill-gotten gains from the deal. (laughs) They understood that there was a good faith disagreement. I just, I think the thing that has been most traumatic and painful to me is to feel that an organization that I helped create long ago feels so different now from, uh, from, you know, what we started out as. Sure. And I can, I can certainly understand that. So, so I, this has been a I, this has been a, a very uh, cathartic conversation for me, <laughs> and I'm sure my friends uh, at EFF, if I have any left, uh, will, uh, no, and I think I do, by the way. But I'm sure my friends at EFF will will you know uh, certainly uh, sound you know uh, thrash me roundly uh, for uh, you know having been upset with them. But uh, and honestly, EFF does great work. I want to really stress this. I love EFF. My unhappiness comes from a place of, of you know, love, uh, e- you know, even though I was sort of startlingly shocked by what a loved one can do to, to, to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Fair, fair, fair enough. And, and I appreciate you taking the time and, and, and certainly having this discussion. And I think that, uh, people enjoy it. I know we got a lot of good feedback on the original discussion from both sides. From Yeah, from... I was afraid to read it, so I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but uh, but I appreciate you you taking the time and, and having this discussion. I'm glad it was cathartic. <laughs> sure, sure. And... Now, ne- next time we'll have to talk about something totally different. Like, I don't yes. know, like Facebook's oversight board. I got a lot yeah. to say about that. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, and and, th- and thank you for being the uh, first guest on the returned Tech Turd podcast. I'm I'm, hope, I'm hoping that this will be a, a, you know, this will be the Star Trek Picard of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, of Tech Dirt podcast. There we go. There we go. All right. Uh, right well, thanks again. And thanks to everyone for listening as well. And uh, I normally say we'll be back next week. I hope we'll be back next week. We'll see. We'll see. We're, we're figuring this out as we go. Uh, and so, but thanks for listening anyway. Grab a shovel and think of the cat. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get. Grab a shovel.